Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 275. One of your co-hosts here smiling today, Tom Maluli. Joining me today is my other co-host, Brendan Maluli. So what's, uh, what's the hot topic of the day? How about gold? Gold, Jerry. That's gold. Back in the 80s, I had a client who was a uh, professional athlete. You would know the name, but he got an allowance every year from his agent. It seemed like the same conversation happened every year. Uh, what about gold? I want to put, put the whole account into gold. Yeah. Because it's really going places. And, you know, stocks are risky. Mm-hmm. Stocks are risky, but gold's not. Uh, so what's what's the saying? Uh, I'm drawing a total blank on on who has it. Their pinned tweet on Twitter, uh, market analyst. Nothing like price to change sentiment. Helene Meisler. Right. Sorry, Helene, for forgetting. And she always refers people to this pinned tweet whenever stocks are going up. But this pertains to every asset class out every there. Every single one. And so every every once in a while, when gold rears its head and starts going up in price, we inevitably get. You know, a handful of phone calls, usually well-meaning from clients who were like, hey, I heard gold's going up. Like, what, what's up with that? Should Is that something we should own? And we just kind of figured we would use an opportunity. We saw an article in Forbes uh, about gold making the case for why you should own it now. Um, I'm, I'm holding up a chart so everybody listening to the podcast cannot see this. Yeah. But the chart talks about how U.S. inflation is finally starting to heat up. Brendan, you can see this chart. You're the only one who can see it. Does that look like something that's heating up? I mean, does this look like a Bitcoin rally? No, not not in particular. But one of the cases in there was inflation being a reason to own gold or... You know, a, a lot of it ends up being doomsday stuff from yeah. people who don't like whatever is happening in the world these days, regardless of their political ideology. It's usually driven by that, too. And I'll pick up on that. It's much easier to write a doomsday scenario headline and to capture eyeballs and attention than it is to basically give the all clear yeah. signal. So Morgan Housel, one of my favorite writers, uh, has shared... I'm paraphrasing, so it's close to this, but he said that uh, like doomsday predictions or being bearish always sounds smart, whereas saying that things will most likely be better in the future than they are today uh, just sounds naive. It sounds dumb. Although, if you look over the course of history, that's been true every single time, no matter what you know scenario or event we're talking about, uh, human progress is not something that I want to bet against. And, and I think that's kind of what you're signing up for when you put your money into something like gold or you buy you know, some of these newsletters out there that predict the end of the United States yeah. or like the dollar is going to like you yeah. know become worthless or something. Uh, Here's how to play the end of the world scenario in your portfolio. Right. But these things get eyeballs, like you said, because it sounds intelligent because you often have to come up with this elaborate scenario to explain in detail why now is the time to, to own gold. And, and before we move on from 
anything in this this Forbes article, which was drivel, uh, you raised a pretty good point. In this case, at least, if you scrolled to the bottom of the article, the thing was written by somebody who who manages gold mutual funds, yeah, something like that. So, uh, so obviously, he's making the bull case for gold because not just a not just a. A portfolio manager. He's been named the Mining Fund Manager of the Year right. by Mining Journal Magazine. So you obviously don't uh, get to that kind of role uh, in the world without being a gold bug. And so, not to say that he's, you know, making a case for like a pretty short term, short term call on the direction of gold, which is not something I would ever do. But he's going to be bullish on it because he'd like. Your dollars to his best for interest doing. To, to be bullish, of course. Did you renew the office subscription to Mining Journal magazine? You know what? I forgot. I'll take care of it right after the podcast. Okay. But thanks. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> nah, we'll be we'll be missing next month's issue, unfortunately. Hey, I you know I I will add that I was a very 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 long term subscriber to Forbes magazine. The issues that I would get in my mailbox just got thinner and thinner and thinner. I became a subscriber in the late 80s to that magazine. <clears throat> and even 10 years ago, it was really kind of wasting away. I don't know. I don't think that they are printing anymore. I think they're strictly online, but they've changed their approach. And pretty much uh, you can submit articles now to Forbes and the editors will pick and choose which ones they want to post. Mm -hmm. So... There's not a high barrier to entry to say I was published in Forbes. Using, using that as a springboard, gold is not something that we feel has a place in investment portfolios. We, we don't use it here, and I don't see that changing. Do you want to, do you want to share any, any feelings on why we, we feel that gold, gold and commodities in general, don't, they're not necessary in a portfolio for just about anybody out there? When I was a retail broker, I'll share this story. Uh, I was told, so it wasn't. I wasn't forced upon me, but I was. It was encouraged that every client, as part of their portfolio mix, should have at least five percent of their assets in gold or in some kind of commodity alternative alternative investment. Right to act as a hedge against inflation. Can I can I pause? Because this is a great time to share a couple of stats yes. that I have here. Okay. So that's one of the cases people often share to have a portion of your portfolio in something like this. Since 1975, this just looks at gold, which depending on how you're getting exposure to commodities, uh, gold and oil end up being like two of the biggest ones you're getting if you're getting a basket of them, or you might own you know, one or the other individually. But since 75, which is when it became legal again for individuals to own gold, uh, the real returns, meaning after inflation has been lopped off of the returns for gold, are 0.8% per year, meaning that it did give you something above and beyond inflation. But I'm going to share with you two far simpler things that we use as the building blocks of our portfolio here that have given you way better real returns, meaning a, a better hedge against inflation. Bonds, 5% a year, real returns since 1975. Stocks, 8.3% real returns per year since 1975. Cash, like Cash, meaning like, T-bills, 1.1% yeah. per year since 1975. So yes, gold has provided a hedge against inflation, but so have a litany of other things that 
I think are, are way simpler for people to own that they can actually understand. I think part of the mix in being a financial advisor is to, I'm trying to find a sexy term to say complicate or yeah. make it sound complicated. Appear, like, appear yeah. sophisticated. Right. Elaborate. Why, why, why did they tell you to have a 5% gold sleeve in your portfolio though? Because, because I interrupted before you could get to that point, which okay. I think has a different ending than what we just discussed, meaning, okay. all right, this doesn't make sense from a numbers perspective, so yeah. why would they tell you to do it? Well, um, remember, I was a retail broker in the mid 80s, and so inflation was still something that people were pretty up to speed on, and they could see it in their grocery bills. So they knew that inflation was a real thing. So it was kind of an easy sale. But the nefarious side of this was that the only way that you could get gold or some type of commodity investment into a client's retail account with a retail broker, and you guys know all the names if you watch golf on TV because they advertise on them, you had to buy a managed futures investment, uh, some kind of limited partnership or alternatively structured product. Usually the commissions on them were starting at 8% and you would get like a 1% or 2 or 3% trail, trailing commission every year for the dollars that you kept in it. So it was an annuity for the brokers mm -hmm. because they continued to get paid pretty well. So I, I want to use a point that you made there to kind of delve further into this topic. In the 80s, you're saying, you know, obviously after a decade like the 70s, where gold did do really well and inflation was very high. Uh, this was fresh in people's mind. And so seemingly uh, wasn't just a good story. It seemed sensible based on the last 10, 20 years of, of what you had seen, what everybody had seen. That's right. I think that raises a good point, though, because then I basically just gave the forward returns after this period of high inflation and what gold did. I think that gets to an important point about gold, which is that it's completely unpredictable like even even more so than stocks and bonds it doesn't do any like to say that gold is supposed to do x because of y is insane because it's based upon nothing right it's a rock i was i was gonna try and tee that one up for you but you beat me to it jason zweig has called it a pet rock and he's kind of poking fun at the gold bugs out there um but i think the guy has a point there there are no earnings there's no cash flow there's no dividends you don't have a set interest rate or uh, interest payment schedule like when you buy a bond. You get none of that. So it's trading purely on sentiment, meaning just emotions. And it certainly does seem to spike whenever we see bad stuff going on in the world, but it's almost always short-lived. Not, not something that I, I think you want to have a piece of long-term because sure, it marches to the beat of its own drum, but is that necessarily good? Like it's uncorrelated, which is something like, you know, sure. You talk about in the in the context of a portfolio, it's it's going to it's going to do different things than your stocks and your bonds are going to do. Which has value, but it also since we look at portfolios piece by piece, even when we probably shouldn't, it can be infuriating because it's like, all right, you know, market market was down recently, my bonds did good, my stocks didn't, vice versa. Oh, great year in the stock market, bonds didn't really do much, maybe they lost a little bit of ground. But like, you can dream up any scenario and say gold gold did something during that time period, and it, and it might be true, I don't know. There's no precedent. You have to kind of clip the chart 
and say from this window, from here to there, gold worked great. Yeah. So it's easy to spot looking back right. and saying, hey, we have hindsight mm -hmm. and we can tell when these things moved in the past. We right. can't like, really predict. Like gold, gold was the best way to hedge inflation during the 70s and we knew this during the 80s. Right. But the best way to hedge inflation from the 80s through today was not gold. Right. It was stocks. Right. And then bonds. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that even, you know, uh, investments like bonds and T-bills, cash, have outpulled that train. It's pretty interesting to note. Uh, I think, like you said, you're going to hear it when everyone's in a panic. But I hate to make it super simple. But when I get on the phone with someone and they start talking about gold, I ask them, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're going to trade all of your assets for a hunk of gold. Mm -hmm. You're not even, and, you're not going to own it, by the way. Yeah. Well, we're not even up to that yet. We'll get but there. If you were to trade all of your assets for a big hunk of gold, right. okay, uh, I don't know where you're going to keep it right. because uh, it has to be somewhere. You, need, okay. you literally need like a safe and probably like a guard if you're going to have a, a substantial amount of gold. Right. <laughs> the guard knows the combination. Right. So uh, the second thing is when you go to buy bread and milk, how are you going to pay for that if the world's gone down the drain? Mm -hmm. Are you going to like hack off a slice of the gold? How does that work? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, and you're definitely banking on like zombie apocalypse type scenarios if, if you want to have all of your money in gold to address like the 5% gold sleeve because we see people come in with portfolios from usually other advisors. So it's usually one of two ways. If they have like a 5% gold sleeve, it's from another advisor. If they have like half of their portfolio in gold, they did that themselves okay. because that's insane. Yeah, but it's 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 always one or the other. And so the 50% person probably has canned goods at home too in a bunker because they think the world is going to end. But the person with 5% in gold, like let's let's say it is a zombie apocalypse and you happen to keep 5% of your portfolio in gold and the other 95% is in the tank. And, and let's say you've tripled your money on your 5% gold sleeve. Does that matter? Like, is that enough to matter? I don't think it's really going to move the needle. Like, if you if you keep a couple of percent in gold, I think advisors do it just to have, as you said, something in there to say like, oh, well, we're we're extra diversified. Not only do we have stocks and bonds of different varieties, but we have two percent of your account in gold, and we're perfectly hedged for inflation. Right. I just, I don't, I don't see a need for it. I just, I would rather keep it simpler than that and so, and and two percent in anything let's let's just say that as a blanket two percent in any asset class is nonsense like why bother it's not going to move it's it, it needs not, to be enough to make a difference right if you're going to own something to diversify like if you're going to own bonds because you want to diversify risk from your stocks you need to keep more than five percent in there yeah. like it, it needs to be something that's going to actually offset what happens with the other pieces of your portfolio well said Let's talk about something else related to this. How do most people invest in gold today? Well, the, uh, it's interesting because of when it launched, one of the biggest ETFs out there is uh, State Street GLD is the ticker. Right. Um, so basically what you're paying for there is not to say like, I'm gonna have a big hunk of gold at my house and keep it in a safe or pay guards with dogs to stay in front of Wait it all day Wait a minute, the guards something. now have dogs? So yeah. we have to buy dog food. Right, instead of paying for an advisor, you're gonna pay for a team of 
surveillance SWAT dogs. Team. This this gold is kept in a vault in Boston, Massachusetts, where State Street is headquartered. So in the event of zombie apocalypse, if you have GLD, like no one's no one's gonna care when they come to raid your house if the world has ended that you have like a super low cost basis in gold. And that you got you just got to head up to Boston to get it from the vault. Like, <laughs> well, I guess the come the, on. The next question is if the stock market's like circling the drain, and the only thing left is gold, how are we going to even sell our GLD shares? Can I don't know. We, can and, we get paid in gold or and dollars? Does it, and does it matter at that point? Is right. is State Street going to even give it to you yeah. if they have gold? And and right and and what are you what are you exchanging it for? So basically, to believe in gold as having value because you think it's you know a good hedge against inflation or the apocalypse or whatever you have to give them dollars for them to give you a share in the gold so they're basically telling you like yeah we'll gladly accept your dollars because right. they believe in them yeah <laughs> but you don't maybe yeah but um, it, but hey if it makes you feel better okay sure i just i don't know it it's not something that I think makes a whole lot of sense. And the proportions in which people hold it, I don't think are going to make a difference in the long run. Let's kind of refocus a little bit and talk about inflation. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh, historically, inflation has been higher than it has been in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. There's been very little inflation in the system. However, if you... If uh, you're If you're looking at... CPI, which right, is that's the, the general consumer measure price of inflation. index, and that's yeah, that's what the Fed uses mm -hmm. to measure inflation. That's what we should use. But it's interesting though because you look at, you know, like uh, maybe maybe you're still paying the same price for a can of food at the grocery store that you did ten years ago, or the difference is, uh, you know, not nominal. It, it hasn't really moved the needle for you. But things like things like healthcare have skyrocketed over the last decade in about terms of their the, cost. the cost of attending CW post right college you know? costs too and so you see this we're we're working with an average when we say inflation has inflation has averaged x over many numbers of years that's that's talking about almost all of the goods in the economy in aggregate right not meaning that some things obviously cost a lot more than they did 10 years ago and other things might cost less perfect example uh, in 1969, when the Mets were in the World Series, my father went out and bought a color TV, <laughs> and it set him back like $700. Yeah. Now you get a color TV when you open a bank account. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean it's, for 700 bucks, you can get something. You can get like a smart TV that can hook you up to like Netflix from it now, right. nowadays. So yeah, like electronics have uh, advanced. You know, many times over since they were first invented, and they cost the same have now you, for a basic basic yeah. TV cost that then, and it costs the same now, but it's way better, way so. way better, and bigger, right? You know, um, there's this meme going around on the internet. You'll see it every now and then, where they show like a newspaper ad from Radio Shack, and they have like a calculator, a tape recorder, a camera, a phone. And all these different things that they're selling on sale, and you can get all of that now in a cell phone. Right, yeah. You can buy the whole page now in a phone. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So inflation works both ways. Mm -hmm. uh, technology has certainly made things a lot more affordable. We have more power in our cell phones now than they had in the Apollo 11 
um, yeah, I've, I've seen that. You know, rocket. Too. Pretty so, wild. Yeah, that's, that is crazy. Um, but on the other hand, uh, we know things cost more. Yeah. They do. So you have and to It makes have, sense to, to plan on that being the case, too, because right. if you plan on the opposite, you can only be surprised in a negative way. And if in you plan on way. things costing more and you align you know, your decisions around money to account for that and, and it doesn't end up being true, then then you're only better off. And I think that is okay. Well, it, it kind of, you know, when I hear folks on the phone or at the table here in the office talking about, well, I'm going to retire. And so I want to get a lot more conservative with my investments. I kind of cringe a little bit. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm like, okay, like we have to have this talk. Like I can't, you know, I can't believe I'm having this talk for the eight millionth time, but it's the first time that someone else is hearing this. And we have to explain to them that, look, while inflation is practically zero the last few years, it's not going to stay there and things will cost more in the future. So if you don't have a component, at least a piece of your assets that's growing, keeping up with inflation, you're screwed. And, and that's going to end up being a mixture in, in our portfolios, at least a mixture of stocks and bonds. Yeah. And and I think that that keeping it simple that way, uh, I think we know more what to expect. These are these are businesses that are either issuing us stock or they're issuing us bonds and we have a payment schedule or this is the government offering bonds out. We know what to expect. Gold is a wild card and it can be a wild card in a good way. And it can be a wild card in a bad way. And I think that seeing something on a statement for most investors that just has no rhyme or reason in terms of what it's done or its performance is a little bit maddening. And I, and I just think that being the top reason uh, for, for why most people um, shouldn't and probably can't handle having, having gold in their portfolio. So I'll ask a question <clears throat> for the listeners. How many times have you received a statement from your broker... Uh, or a phone call out of the blue from your firm, and they'll and the person on the other end of the line will say, "Hey, Mr. Jones or Mr. Smith, I'm your new advisor. So and so left the firm, and you start going through all these different investments. How many times has that happened? Because I know it happened with me when I was a broker. Guys would leave, and we would get these accounts just handed to us, and we I would have this conversation all the time. So you have, you know, X number of dollars in this gold fund." or in some a couple of gold mining stocks. And I would just ask them, why'd you get that? Why'd you buy that? Or how's that working out for you? Almost every single time that I can remember, people are like, I, I don't know why we own that, or that thing hasn't done a damn thing, or it's gone straight down since we've owned it. Right. So not saying that gold is a terrible investment. There may be a time when we're back in 1975. I can't predict that. You know, even a, blo- a broken clock is right twice a day. I would just say not to get roped into investments off of infomercials that yeah. feature Tom Selleck. And so I think uh, whether With it's a guy inv- from the West Wing. Yeah. I just. Uh, Martin Sheen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, about that. I don't think having 5% in gold is going to make a difference. And that's, as I said, what a lot of advisors will do because they think it's sophisticated and it's nice to talk about when gold has then gone up and you had. Five percent in your money in it. On the on the reverse side, people who want to put all of their money in gold, I don't think that anybody is ever going to change their mind because it's like yeah. a religion all by itself. So yeah. if that's their mo, then uh, more power to them. 
I just I don't think that has a place in client portfolios, and I don't think that will be changing anytime soon. That's a wrap on episode 275. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and we will catch you next time.